This is Dan McCarthy, and you're listening to the Check-In Podcast. So there was an interesting thread on Reddit that I stumbled upon a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to share it prior to kicking off this episode today. The poster wanted to know about everyone's personal Paris Syndrome moment. Now, for those of you who are unaware, like I was when I stumbled upon the thread initially, Paris Syndrome is, according to Wikipedia, a sense of disappointment exhibited by some individuals when visiting or going on vacation to Paris who feel that Paris was not what they had expected. The condition is commonly viewed as a severe form of cultural shock. Now, I, I don't think there are many better cities than Paris in the world, um, but I can definitely understand that the negative things about a city, the cons about a destination, tend not to be on the cover of guidebooks or the front of email marketing. And while Paris is a part of the name for, for this phenomenon, it's not the only city subject to these kind of feelings. So I wanted to share some of the better, more appropriate responses that I found within the thread. So here it goes. One poster said, you'd think the pubs in London would be open later than 11 p.m., but most of them are not. Another said, Northern California summer. I can't tell you how many European tourists I see come to San Francisco in June or July with shorts and tank tops ready for fun in the sun. But nope, we got full fog and cold. Another poster spoke about Korea. They said, the months of July and August, it's hot but what makes it worse is it's incredibly humid. It's sticky. I'm sweating just sitting on the sofa. I sweat immediately when I go outside. Somebody else brought up Amsterdam and said, regardless of how much I enjoyed it, the center of the city seemed to be for tourists first and foremost. There's lots of bachelor parties stumbling around. The food was hit or miss. Ironically, we had just come from Paris and it just didn't hold a candle to it. The farther we explored from the city center, the better it was though. Either way, it was undeniably gorgeous. And I'll just share one more. Kyoto. I was there in November, either 2002 or 2003. It was cold, dreary, dirty, and unfriendly. I stayed in the worst hostels I've ever been in my life. I had high hopes for Kyoto, and there were some beautiful parts, but overall, meh. So I'm sharing these just because this is the 10th episode of this podcast. And while I've been extremely fortunate enough to speak with so many people within the industry who have built these extraordinary careers, I know it hasn't been easy for any of them, even if those moments tend not to come up in these conversations. Just like a trip to Paris won't always be uh, sparkling lights and flaky croissants, career in the industries, they aren't built with only good times and positive moments either. There's definitely been some tough moments along the way for everyone, even before 2020. And I think it's important to remember how things can go, how Roads on journeys within industry can be incredibly winding and unpredictable. There has undoubtedly been a lot of self-doubt for almost every successful person within industry, and it comes down to how you deal with it and how you choose to think about things. One of the most positive people I've met during my own years within travel and, and someone I think about when I have a lot of those self-doubt moments is my guest for this episode. Jen Lee is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Travel Planners International. She's an incredibly positive person and passionate person and someone who I've been lucky enough to cross paths with out of pure serendipity a number of times throughout my career. I'm glad I got the chance to speak with her and have a conversation about how she ended up in travel, how she's been able to build the career and the relationships she's had, and her overall philosophy when it comes to success in business. We talk about how she keeps her atti attitude so incredibly positive and how she's continued to move things forward. I really did enjoy the conversation. I learned a lot about Jen. 
including how she ended up in the industry in the first place, which is an incredible story. And I hope you all enjoyed the conversation too. So let's check in with Jen. Hello. Hi. <laughs> how are you? Good. How are you? You're good. You look like you just ran up a uh, flight of stairs or something. I'll tell you, the humidity in New York has just been terrible. And I mean, <laughs> I know you're in Florida, so I don't know if I should be com like complaining because we only get this a couple months a year, but it's been, it's just been like out of the ordinary. Oh my gracious. Well, I'm so sorry. Well, at least here in Florida, we have uh, air conditioners that run really, really well. So it's all good. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Well, th thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah. Sorry, I was a few moments late. Yeah, oh, I'm no, excited. It's, I'm it's really okay. enjoying your, I'm really enjoying your podcast. So you do yeah. really with a check-in. Yeah, mm -hmm. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, well, yeah, I want to talk about you, Jen. My favorite subject. No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how's everything with you right now? I mean, I, I know you're in you're in Central Florida. How's uh, how's everything going? You're back in your office, which must be nice. How long have you been back in the office for? Yeah, so we're in Florida. So we came back to the office in October um, of last year. I guess I have to start saying last year because we're almost in we're in the middle of July at this point. Yeah. Um, and then we had our first in-person event in September of last year. Uh, with almost a hundred people. Um, this was like pre-vaccinations and all that stuff. And we were so excited to get like advisors and travel partners together and people were crying and we couldn't believe it. We we're elbow bumping and still hugging, but, but nobody got sick. So it's been great. You know, for Floridians, yeah. it's a very different feel than it is in other parts of the country. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could definitely understand that too. I was down in Florida. It was earlier this year. It might've been March or March or April at this point, but mm -hmm. it was MCU. MCO was packed. MCO was, there was like nothing was happening at MCO. It was, it was yeah. super busy. Yeah, it is. It is that <laughs> I'm really glad I have my clear and my TSA pre-check because uh, <laughs> I can still fly right through the airport, which is important now that we're traveling again. Yeah, I, I do. I love MCO. I think it's a great airport. And like, I, I love that tram that connects to terminals. And mm -hmm. like when I get off the plane, especially from New York at MCO, you can sort of, sort of like smell Florida. Like it smells like <laughs> It smells like warm and it smells fresh, like and a tan like a lotion and yeah, <laughs> and the chicken, the turkey leg from uh, Disney, yeah. and <laughs> the Dole Whip and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say that I always get nervous, even with pre-check going to MCO with not that much time to spend uh, yes. to, to spare before ahead of my flight. Though it always there always seems to be lines of security there. Like I understand mm -hmm. it's the vacation capital of the world in some people's uh, eyes, which I can you know I think that's it an important. <laughs> title yeah but it, it does it does get so packed yeah but we're glad C keep on coming down everybody yeah. uh, you help us not have a state income tax we appreciate <laughs> your tax dollars keep keep showing up <laughs> so you grew up did you grow up in central florida jen i, I mm -hmm. think I, I read you grew up in winter park is that right in Winter Springs. Yeah, Winter Park, Maitland, Winter Springs area. So I was born in Jacksonville. I was just uh, talking to somebody, another Floridian. You know, I always say there's like 12 of us that are over the age of 13. Uh, but yeah, born and raised in Florida. Uh, started out in Jacksonville. And then in sixth grade, my family moved down here to Central Florida. Yeah, I've not really left um, a kind of a 50 mile radius within Central Florida too often. And just moved to a tiny little town called Howie in the Hills, which okay. is, this, it was a, a town where Howie used to live. But anyways, less than a thousand people, but I love it. I love it. You know, Central Florida is definitely 
uh, busy and we're not talking just in the tourist area. I always say it's like, it's, it's crowded for no reason. Like it doesn't make any sense to me, but I, I would never work for Visit Florida because I'm just like the worst ambassador for Florida. I'm like, it's hot. Why do you people come down here? But thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was reading a, a Reddit thread yesterday about traffic and Orlando was mentioned how the traffic in Orlando is particularly bad these days. And it's not, again, I'm, I'm assuming it's not just vacationers either. No, it's not even the vacationers. This is way, Orlando is way north of where Disney is and everything. You know, Disney and all them are really in Kissimmee and St. Cloud. Um, but, you know, the most of us normal humans, we live in the, you know, Orlando North and out East and West. And so it's not even Disney traffic. It's just, we have a lot of humans. People just move here and it's, we just are not built for it. Our infrastructure was just not designed. Back in the seventies, it was all, you know, orange groves here before the mouse house showed up and everybody else. So we just, we just weren't designed for that. So what, what was it like growing up in Central Florida? I mean, was there a lot of influence from, from the vacationers, like from the tourists coming in? I, I did a little Googling on, on Winter Park in particular, and mm -hmm. I read one of the biggest parts of the Wikipedia page mm -hmm. on Winter Park is a sinkhole. There was a famous sinkhole in the yes. 80s in Winter Park. Yeah. <laughs> holler. Yep. The yeah. holler Corvettes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I forgot all about that. Yeah. That was in the 80s when I was in high school. And uh, yeah, sinkhole opened up and swallowed up like an entire <laughs> Corvette dealership. And I will tell you that Corvette dealership is still there. Yeah. It's, I think they moved down the street though, but it's still, they, they uh, reopened. But yeah, sinkholes, you know, growing up in Orlando, your, your rite of passage was working at Disney or SeaWorld at the time. Those were really the two in the 80s when I grew up. It was kind of a rite of passage. You had to be in hospitality. You know, there's just like so many cities. There's like the east side and the west side, you know, east of I-4, west of I-4. Okay. Very, very different personalities, you know. So east of I-4, which is where Winter Park is, where I grew up, is very family-oriented. Some of the people I went to high school with, their families still live in the same home they lived in when we were in high school together, 35, 40. God, I'm old, Dan. Anyways, yeah, a long time ago. And then the west side were kind of like people who moved in from out of town, and they really built up the west side. It was fun growing up in Orlando. Um, I On the east side, I don't know what they were doing on the west side, yeah. but it's, it's really getting crowded. Everything is um, kind of having to grow out out from Central Florida, from Orlando, east and west and north and south um, to support all the business that comes here. You know, we're really well known for the entertainment business, but honestly, we're very high tech um, as like EA Sports is right here in Maitland. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, AAA World Headquarters is in Lake Mary, right up the street. There's um, Lake Nona Medical Center, um, which is booming down in Southeast Orlando. So there's a lot of industry uh, that is here as well, which a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like you, it kind of gets the, the the reputation of being again the vacation capital of the world. But I, mm -hmm. I I drove through. I've driven through Orlando a number of times, and it is there is other parts of Orlando that yes. doesn't have Mickey Mouse on the signs, you know, yes. like, yeah, it's good <laughs> yeah, to hear that too. And you mentioned hospitality too, that that was sort of, that's sort of the path a lot of people take from Central Florida. And mm -hmm. I read in the announcement when you first joined TPI that one of your first jobs was with, or one of your first, I guess, career was mm -hmm. with Marriott Vacation Club and you were one of the company's first employees. What was your role with, uh, with Marriott? 
I love this story. Thank you so much for asking, um, because I do think about this. I'm going to end my career in hospitality, and I started my career kind of in hospitality. So back in the day, back in the 80s, I went to a little college in Lakeland called Florida Southern College, a private school, home of the fighting moccasins for any other uh, moccasin out, out there. And about um, and I worked at a grocery store called Publix. I don't know if you guys have them up in New York, but they're all over the country. And Publix was founded in Lakeland, Lakeland, Florida, where Florida Southern was. So anyways, I was working at one of the flagship Publixes and it was, you know, green polyester outfit. And I was behind the guest services counter back in the day when you would cash your payroll check at the local Publix, right? So you'd go in and cash your check. Um, if you guys could see Dan right now, he's like, what's a payroll check? Okay, so the, we used to get checks, they were on paper that you'd have yeah. to endorse, okay? Just saying. So anyways, there was this guy that used to come in all the time and cash his check. And one day he said to me, he goes, you know, Jen, what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, well, I'm gonna try to get out of this green polyester or uniform someday. And I'm going to Florida Southern, but I'm bored out of my mind. I'm like ready to make money. I'm just bored. I was just, I didn't do well in college. And so he said, well, listen, my company just got purchased from a hotel chain um, and they are looking uh, for people to get on the phone and start inviting their hotel um, loyalty members to this thing called Timeshare. I'm like, oh, I know about Timeshare. You know, I live in Orlando where Westgate Resorts and Vistana mm -hmm. and all that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, well, they're getting into it. He said, why don't you come to my office? So I went to his office, which was right behind the Publix and it was Marriott, um, the Marriott Corporation. And they had just purchased this Timeshare company called American Resorts. Their very first Timeshare was on Hilton Head Island. So they had bought his resorts. And I was the very first person to get on the phone to call the Marriott Marquee members to invite them down to experience Marriott's first Timeshare. Timeshare. So I didn't sell Timeshare. I just sold the opportunity to go or I just, you know, invited them. And what's interesting about this, Dan, is that um, I did it and then we grew really, really quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I got married and got pregnant, moved to Jacksonville and, you know, worked for the hotel division for a little bit and got out of it and then came back to the timeshare division. And when I came back to the timeshare division, the second time around, they had moved across the street and there was like 150 people in the call center. And I was like, wow, I was number one. Like I was call center <laughs> rep number one. And I'll never forget this. Um, I ended up getting, I got divorced and I started dating a bad boy and I'll never forget my boss at the time. I think her name was Judy McManus. I sure hope she's listening to this. Judy said to me, she said, please don't date this guy. He's, go he's taking you down a wrong road. You have a real opportunity within the travel industry. You've got a talent. And I was so young. I was like 23 and I was like, ah, forget about it, whatever. And I quit there. And I think to myself now, I could have been running Marriott right now if I had just stayed there and listened to Judy's uh, advice, but then I wouldn't be where I am now but yeah so that was my start that was, is that is I such never, a cool story to, to like the start of your career in the travel industry that yeah. that is an incredible story to have that you were sort of poached from Publix um, yeah poached yeah. From, <laughs> that'll be the title of my book one day poached yeah. from Publix um, yeah. and then I got out of the industry I was in the hotel division for a little bit just kind of being uh, front desk manager so on and so on. and then I got into a completely different industry and it wasn't until I came to work for TPI as a business consultant did I come back to the travel industry. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So you were you were just sort of doing other kind of consulting. Is that right? You were you mm -hmm. were helping people build their businesses and things like that yeah. in, be in between your tenure in, in travel. Yeah. Yeah. I had done a variety of different industries and had always ended up in sales, marketing. You know, I, I'd always just ended up or in training 
And 2008 hit here in central Florida. And I was in the real estate business at the time. I worked for Ryland Homes. I was a sales manager for Ryland Homes. And, you know, obviously it tanked. But before it really tanked hard, I was like, I'm just done with this. I feel like I want to start my own business. I mean, how stupid was I? I mean, I'm excited that I did it. But for me, I was motivated because I saw uh, small businesses go out of business during the recession of 2008. And I'm like, you didn't need to go out of business. You just didn't make good moves. And so I started my own small business consulting practice and did that for about six, seven years, had a partner, a couple of partners along the way, changed a couple of work with a lot of consumer uh, product uh, developers, uh, you know, partner with Tori Johnson from Good Morning America uh, on a tour called Spark and Hustle, which I still find people that I met during the Spark and Hustle tour are travel advisors. I just talked to one this morning that she's like, I remember when you were in LA speaking with Tori. And it's funny how it's all just kind of come back around. Vanessa McGovern with GTN, she went to one of the conferences that I was speaking at. And so when I joined the industry, she's like, oh my goodness, you're going to love oh this industry. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is super interesting too. I mean, so as a consultant, my, my question would be like, what gives you the confidence to talk to, to talk to people and businesses? Is it just success you've had in the past? Do you think it's your personality? I mean, <laughs> what kind of gives you the confidence to be able to guide people to make the right decisions? Cause I mean, I question decisions I make personally, and I don't know what kind of authority I would feel like, you know, to, to talk <laughs> to other people, um, about their personal or business lives. But I mean, you, you don't, you don't seem to have that sort of doubt in your mind. Yeah, I don't have a confidence issue. That's for sure. Yeah. But you know what? That's a great question. And I think where the confidence came from was I'm an avid learner. So in every job that I had when I worked for a variety, I started, you know, Marriott, that Marriott timeshare, right? Like that yeah. was very entrepreneurial. There was two of us in the office. It was Barry and me. When it, So it's very scrappy and entrepreneurial. And then I worked for another entrepreneur years later and it was very scrappy and it, it became a multi-million billion dollar company that got purchased by Convergys. I mean, I've watched those things. So I've always paid close attention to what people do that are right and mistakes that they make, number one. So there was that. And then it was, um, I'm a really good questioner. I, I know how to I, I know how to ask the right questions to get people thinking about what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And then as a business consultant, my job was to ask the right questions, to find out where they were, find out where they wanted to go. And then I just told them what to do. And I think there's a difference between you know, coaches and people who are, you know, wanting to have an accountability coach or whatever. For me, I was like, people hired me because I knew the questions to ask. I knew if their answer was going to get them to where they wanted to go. And then I just used my experience of watching all these other business owners. I'd say, yep, no, do this and don't do that. And I would just tell them, do this. If you do what I tell you to do, it's going to work out just fine. And I still say that to this day. You can ask most travel partners. I kind of start out our, listen, just do what I tell you to do. I promise you, you're in good hands with me because I know our advisors. I know what they re respond well to. And so the confidence, I think, Dan, came from doing that on a regular basis and watching people flourish. Even if all I did was talk to them for two hours, you know, I, I've got clients that I can't take credit for them being in certain positions, but they're on target shelves. They're on QVC. They made it to Shark Tank. They've been purchased. Like, I, I can't take credit for them being there but I can take credit for being the very beginning and asking them those right questions and getting them to think differently. And so when I see that happening, I'm like, yep, I was supposed to do this. 
you mentioned you mentioned mistakes people make i mean mm -hmm. was was there a common mistake people would make when they're starting out a business and i would yeah i mean what what would be the typical thing you would have to correct they were very busy, and I see this in the travel advisor community, they were very busy doing what they love to do, either creating the product, talking about the product, but they weren't, uh, they didn't have the foundation of a business to scale their product or their business. And advisors, uh, I run into this all the time. They know how to sell the product. Mm -hmm. They know how to service the product uh, and their service. They don't have some of the most foundational staples, uh, puzzles to put puzzle pieces to put together that full puzzle. They don't think that way. They're busy building a bank account and not looking at building a business. I'm building this business because in 10 years, I want to sell it. I'm building this business because in 10 years, I want to pass this down. I'm building this business because I want to have an empire. Like most travel advisors and most small business owners don't have that long vision of what that looks like. They're just building a bank account and they're just excited to sell what it is that they love to talk about and love to sell. That is the number one mistake people make. And it was, it was, TPI had been around for a long time. And I will tell you some of the questions I asked Ken when he was, we were talking in this consultant. I'm like, you don't have the answer to this question. Yet it's an extremely successful business. It wasn't like it was failing by any means, but it was like, wow, if you don't have the answer to these three questions, then gosh, I know we've got a great opportunity together. And I feel very passionate about that in the travel advisor community and agency owners. Yeah. You feel, I feel you, whenever I speak to you, I feel like you're extremely passionate about everything we talk about. <laughs> and I mean, that includes advisors too. Yeah. But I imagine because this is the conversation I've had with a lot of people on this podcast and in the industry is that when I ask people sort of why they love the travel industry and like the destinations are great, of course, the opportunities to travel for work and, and for pleasure and to get to know like the world is obviously a, a huge, a huge uh, positive, but Everyone mentions the people in the industry too. And that seems to yeah. be something you're particularly passionate about too, because I mean, your business is relationships and your business is talking to people. Yeah. Well, every business is a relationship business. Um, and I am, I am very passionate about the humans that are in this business. I've actually only met one jerk in the travel industry. I won't say who it is okay. and it's not you, Dan. So right. that's good. But I've only met one kind of jerky person. Everybody else has just got, you guys all have the right mentality. And I just don't feel like our story and your story is um, shared loudly enough, often enough in the right places. I often say that, you know, we cannot rest until every traveler is utilizing a travel advisor. But if we back it up from there, Dan, this is really where I see the biggest opportunity is changing the travel advisor's perception of who they are and what role they play in somebody's life. Now, I'm not even talking their travel experience, but it, you know, you and I and all of us probably listening have, have had the beauty of experiencing a well-thought-out, curated vacation or time away where everything just seemed to work. It all fell to where it was supposed to, barring weather conditions and being stuck on the tarmac. But it all just was like, yes, this is exactly what I needed on day two and day three and day four. And then families are reconnect. Um, I know for me, a really great vacation my husband and I went on kind of saved our marriage um, because we were able to connect in such a good, meaningful way, exactly the way it was supposed to be. So I think advisors don't give themselves credit for the impact that they make on someone's life. I get pretty passionate about when I hear throwaway words like, oh, I add value. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Stop saying that. I hate that. Nobody knows what value is. Stop it. Like tell them what you do for them specifically in this particular 
scenario. So I just cannot rest until I make sure everybody sees uh, things my way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, that's, that's interesting that you say that too, because when I spoke with Vanessa McGovern on this, uh, she mentioned distribution channel that she hated that word that it, yes. it was it is kind of cold. And it doesn't really it doesn't really convey what travel advisors do. I mean, sure, they yeah. serve might serve that purpose for suppliers, but that's, that's not where their worth really lies. Mm -mm. And believe me, yeah. suppliers know where travel advisors worth lies for them. <clears throat> and it's just, I'm telling you, it starts with the advisor and the individual advisor, whether they work for themselves or they work for somebody else. If you really don't understand the, va the, the, the impact that you make in someone's life, if you do your job right, and if you do your job wrong, the massive impact that you make. And to me, it's a grand uh, responsibility and an exciting one. Yeah. I, you know, you know me, Dan, I can get on a soapbox and I will just talk forever. So yeah, I get I think, excited about this industry. I, I noticed I made that change too. Cause I don't think I have, I've probably been in the industry about five, six years now. Um, and I think I noticed I made that change to that way of thinking when uh, in the early COVID, when the airlines, there was talk about them going out of business if they didn't get money from the government and stuff. And there was a bunch of, there was a side of people who said, let them go out of business. And my thought was immediately, that's too many, that's too many nice, that's too many people going out of work. Uh, yeah. because of something that they didn't they don't have any control over too um well so. and you know uh, whether the government helps or not i mean i'm a big part of asta and i go to asta ledge week um ledge day ledge i call it a ledge week but even though we're only there for one day but i go to asta ledge week every year and it's i think people just do not understand the impact that travel has in a positive way um to the world right you know like I'm not a tree hugger or, you know, kumbaya individual at all. Um, I print everything, sorry, because uh, I want to keep the loggers in business, right? So like, I'm just not that girl. Um, I do care about the turtles though in the ocean. I just stop throwing away your plastic people. But um, what it is, is that it's when, when we travel properly, we get a chance to understand another culture. Even if we leave Orlando and I go to Alabama, I, it's a different culture. I get to see a different culture. We get to have open conversations if we do it right. When we travel, we try different foods. You get to see different um, governments and how they operate. Probably one of my best trips ever was when I went to Cuba for a week um, and Vacation Express. Uh, this was 2016 before the election. You know, to see communism. Yeah. Travel does more for world peace than any nonprofit could ever think of. Um, so it's just imperative that we do it right. And yeah. we, it starts with us. It starts with us telling the story properly. Yeah. And, and you mentioned sort of how you, uh, you went on a trip and it helped, helped with your marriage. And I, I had this conversation with my cousins because we were together this weekend because we don't have a ton of family here in America. A lot of my family is still in Ireland. And we, we were like talking about what we remember growing up. And it was just most of the memories were from vacations we took together as Correct. a family that we were fortunate enough to be together. And sort of that just it forces you to create memories and yeah. like, you know, that's such a big part of your life and it's such a big part of relationships too. Yeah, hence the reason why Zoom will not replace human interaction. It yeah. just won't. You, you can't hug Zoom. I guess you could, but it's it's not going to feel good. You know, you don't get to smell the person and, you know, bring back those memories um, and cooking together and, you know, all that stuff that comes from it. But you're right. Think about all the photo albums that are out there. What are they pictures of? Yeah. You know, they're not pictures of your office. Hey, here's my keyboard. <laughs> Check out this exciting office I got. No, it's all the times you did something together. Yeah, exactly. And uh, 
you mentioned Cuba and you mentioned, yeah. and I, I spent time with you on Ama, Ama Waterways cruise a yes. few years ago too. Yeah. Yes. I met your husband. Yeah. I was lucky enough to meet you guys. I, I mean, do you, what are, do you have any other trips or any, any memories that stand out? Do you remember the first time you were on a family vacation or do you remember, do you, is there anything specific in your mind when you sort of go through the, the photo albums that, uh, mm. that really sticks out to you that are special memories? Yeah, I mean, my Jackson Hole trip with my husband was definitely very special. It was in the beginning of me getting into the industry. We did not use a travel advisor. My husband was the travel advisor, but it worked out great. I really learned to appreciate uh, travel advisors after that. We had a nice place that we stayed, but I'm pretty sure somebody else could have done a better job. Uh, that, um, when I was a kid, we would go to Cocoa Beach, and my parents did not have a lot of money. And uh, so Cocoa Beach is right here, you know, 45 minutes away from our home, uh, but they would rent now, if I were to go back to it, I probably would not even step foot in the parking lot, much less lay on the bed of this place. But um, yeah, it was just like in our bathing suits all day long, you know, sun-kissed babies out there and parents, you know, smoking cigarettes and drinking gin and tonics and the kids playing in the pool together and the barbecue going, you know, it was a drunk fest, I'm sure of it. But those, those bring back really great memories. And then, you know, my Cuba trip was amazing. But the trip that I took after that is where I really learned the most. And I'm not sure if I've shared this story with you or not, Dan, but um, I'd gone to Cuba for a week on land uh, where it's not as comfortable as being on a ship where you get to go back to your nice comfy cabin. And in Cuba, you tend to just like leave everything of value because you want them to have whatever you have. So I left like every stitch of clothing um, that I could have that I made sense. I left everything. Right. And then 48 hours later, I had to um, turn around and I was flying overseas to get on the Regent Seven Seas Explorer inaugural, pre-inaugural cruise. And Delta lost my luggage. And so I had like $3,000 worth of brand new clothes because I'm going to be super cute in Saint-Tropez. And, you know, this is a big trip. And Delta never found my luggage the entire time I was on this ship. For seven days, I had, and I was stupid. I didn't know about carry-on bags back then. I had a pair of shorts. I, thankfully, I packed my bathing suit and a pair of shorts, and my, I always have my makeup with me, in my bag, in my purse, and I had a pair of, pair of capris on. So I literally had one pair of shorts, one pair of capris, two tops, a bathing suit, a cover-up, and my makeup for an entire week. Flip-flops and wedges for an entire week. And everyone kept saying, oh my God, aren't you so upset with Delta? They lost your luggage. And I was like, no. I said, you know, this is where the lesson came in. At first I was really agitated. And then I realized, you know, I just left a country where I had to leave all of my clothes so they had something. And now I'm on a ship where literally uh, in Cuba, you couldn't flush the to toilet paper. And literally on Regent Seven Seas, they would have, you know, wiped my behind if I had asked them to, to make me happy. And it just occurred to me, I've got clothes on my back. I'll wear my hair up one day and somebody's going to think it's a new outfit. And yeah. I never bought another piece of clothes, uh, clothing for that entire trip. And um, I was perfectly fine. And yeah. so that's probably one of the most memorable trips was that realization. Yeah, that's incredible too, because I, I mean, I've never been on Regent, but I imagine you would need to have some nice clothes to, to fit in 
Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was a, an industry event. So nobody really cared. I just walked around going, sorry, I have no clothes. You know, it's kind of like everyone knew who Jen was. Anyway, I, I tend to make a, a splash when I show up, but yeah, they were like, oh my God, you can borrow one of my shirts. I'm like, you know what? Nope. I'm going to, I wore the wedges with the shorts and this top yesterday for dinner. Now it's going to be the capris and the flats and the other top. And I wore my hair up one day and people thought it was, you know, and nobody cared. Nobody really cared. Yeah. Um, but Regent was incredible. They like opened up the gift shop, like take anything you want. And I was like, I'm kind of a bigger girl. You have nothing that fits me and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The dichotomy of from going to Cuba to a Regent seven seas trip that, yeah, that, that's, that is something a lot of people won't be able to experience, uh, yeah. the differences between those two. But I mean, yeah. again, it just sort of goes back to being in unfamiliar places, I guess. And, and those mm -hmm. are the, those are the memories I think that stick with you is, 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 was when, I mean, having you mentioning that as one of the memories that sticks out of your mind, simply because something negative happened too, and not something negative, obviously you turn it into a positive, but those it's are because when, I, lear I learned, I yeah. learned something. And I got to think Dan, that the other people who watched me not have a hissy fit on a daily basis about not having clothes, you know, maybe they changed their perception about something. You know, and that's what I mean about travel. If done right and, and given the right opportunity with the right lens, I literally changed the way I looked at life after that trip. It really was, it, Cuba was powerful in and of itself. It wouldn't have meant my, as much though, had I not had clothes, right? For And I had clothes. I had a pair of shorts and a pair of capris and, and they washed my clothes every single day. <laughs> so it was... What was I complaining about? I was in a suite on Regent Seven Seas Explorer yeah. where they literally were like, can we get you some canapes? And I was like, I can't even believe I'm on a ship much. <laughs> like, I'm, I, you know, anyways, you just really get to appreciate stuff. And um, I think that's the gift that we give the world through the travel industry. I really, really do. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, everyone who's listening, you know, whether you entered the industry during this 2020 weird time, um, or you've been in it and you made it, or you had to exit for whatever reason, you know, you, you are part of the big story. We are all part of this big story that, you know, for decades and decades, people are going to be studying and going to be in awe that we made it through, that we made it through the way we did. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm amazed, really, really amazed. Yeah. And again, I think it comes down to the people who, who make up the industry too, because a lot of, a lot of people wouldn't have been able to make it through. And I know there was some casualties within the industry during COVID, course, which is yeah. inevitable. Yeah. But I, when I speak to advisors now, they, they seem incredibly thankful. I'm sure there, there's a level of relief too, that, that COVID's almost, we're at the latter stages at least. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is nice to be surrounded by people. And I think that's a motivation for everybody in the industry too. Um, mm -hmm. And it's nice that there's enough, there's, there's, I know there's competition between people, but there's enough, there's enough business. Everybody is going to travel, especially this year. There's enough business to go around. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago. And I said, listen, in this industry, there is, it doesn't feel like there's any competition. There's no one walking around going, shh, don't say anything. Yeah. But here's what I'm trying. Yeah. You know, most people are like, oh my God, let me share with you what I did. Maybe you could do the same thing, yeah. at least in the advisor community, for sure. And, um, and I think, you know, I often talk about is 2020 
like the floor 13 of, you know, of bad luck is 2020 going to be like erased from our calendars. I know everyone has to add another year to every, like, don't you remember two years? No, it wasn't two years ago. It was three years ago. Don't you remember three years? So you, I don't want us to forget it. I don't want us to relish or remember it, but we shouldn't forget it. It's gotten us where we are right now. I sound so Pollyanna. Oh my God, I sound sick. I'm sorry, everybody. I really, I'm a very nice person, but I really am this way. Dan, you've known me for how many years now? I really am this way. This is who I am. Yeah, I remember, I mentioned that Alma Cruz, I remember showing up there and just, I was, I was going solo and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to have to there's not that many, there's not going to be anyone I know on board this cruise ship aside from Rudy and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember just being so relieved when I saw you because there was like a little lounge meeting at the first yeah. day. And I remember being like, oh, thank God, some familiar face. <laughs> so Dan, do you remember that couple that was sitting with us and the five of us were all kind of talking? So we are still friends with them. My husband and I, we see them every two to three months. Oh, we wow. pick them up on the Ama cruise, Dr. Jim and Debbie, and they live about, and we live about an hour and a half away from one another. They had never been on a cruise before. It was their very first cruise. And Jim is basically the older version of my husband. And Debbie is the older version of me. And we have become very good friends and are hoping to travel again together on Ama uh, again. <laughs> But yeah, we picked them up that first day when I picked you up. Isn't no that way. I, when I when I when I greeted you, I assumed they were Mm-mm. old friends of yours. No. <laughs> There's no old friends when you get my husband involved. He starts talking and forget about it. You think I do a lot of talking. But uh yeah, no, we had just hit it off, you oh, know, and it was as simple as hi. Yeah. What brings you here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah no we're still friends with them isn't that crazy that is crazy that goes back to what we're talking about with memories and connections with travel too because you i mean Mm -hmm. if you saw those two people at a strip mall you saw those two people you know Mm -hmm. it would be difficult it'd be difficult to make that kind of connection Mm-mm. We would have never crossed paths. They no. lived an hour and a half away from us. You know, the, we, 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 she went to Florida Southern college though. I no will way. tell you, which is a tiny college. Yeah. It's like 2,200. Yeah. So there was some a connection there, but yeah, the connection was we traveled together. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, I'm yeah. excited to be in this. We have such great opportunities out there. So I don't want to take up your whole morning, but I do want yeah. to ask you a couple of questions I have left that I was curious about um, because yeah. I have, I've had had a number of conversations with you. I'm curious what your life looks like outside of work. Cause I know you're, mm-hmm. you're a workaholic and, and you're dedicated to your job, but when, mm-hmm. what, what kind of things sort of bring you joy outside of, uh, outside of travel, outside of, outside of your career? I am a couch potato. So when I get home, it is jammies on, makeup off, eyelashes off, glass of wine, you know, spinach and artichoke dip with Parmesan chips because I'm trying to stay away from carbs. Even though I drink wine, I know it doesn't make sense. I really enjoy being home. I just moved uh, to a new home in March. So I really, really enjoy being home. I live near my brother now, uh, hang out with him and his wife on the back porch. I have a eight-year-old granddaughter who I don't get to see nearly enough. Um, and I have a handful of friends. I maybe have five friends that I've had for 18, 19, 20 years. Uh, gosh, some of them longer than that. And um, I try to rotate spending time with them. Um, but my life outside of travel is very couch potato-like. I don't golf, I don't play tennis, I drink wine. And I eat spinach and artichoke dip and Brussels sprouts <laughs> with Parmesan chips. I'm very boring. I'm not a reader. 
yeah, that's what I do. I watch every reality show. Okay. <laughs> Real housewife of it doesn't matter okay. where I'm watching it. I can't watch. I can't wait to watch the train wreck. Yeah. And then um, I listen to podcasts. I listen to your podcast. I listen to podcasts every single day. What other, what, I mean, what other type of podcast do you like listen to? Is it, is it business? Is it stuff that you think is going to help you with your career or is it, is mm -hmm. it completely irrelevant? Like I like, uh, I find myself dragged into all these murder mystery podcasts, <laughs> not murder mysteries, but you know, like real life yeah. murder. The stuff true like crime that. ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got to get back into those. Uh, <laughs> no, I listen to, I am, I eat, sleep and breathe entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. So my only escapism is truly, you know, Real Housewives of something. And then everything else is, I listen to Problem Solvers with, um, oh my God, his name just left me, but he's the editor of Entrepreneur Magazine. Um, I listen to Marcus Limonis, who is my idol. Love him, Marcus Limonis. I'll watch Shark Tank. I really like anything business oriented. I like to learn lessons and I love anything that's a true story. Like I'll, the first book I've read, and I can't tell you how long, that was like a book about a story was Robert Iger's book, uh, the Disney book. Uh, now I can't remember. Yeah, the name his, his memoir, I've heard. Oh, I, so good. That's been recommended to me by so many people. And it's just because I know memoirs are obviously self-serving. And But I've, yeah. I've read like the people who I really like. I've read Springsteen's memoir a number of times. But like yeah. memoirs are a weird thing to pick up because you're getting that person's opinions and that person's mm -hmm. lens of their lives. But Robert Iger's book has been like pointed out to me on a number of occasions. It's an easy read and it is a business book as much as it is his life. And what was great was at the end, as I was getting close to the end, I was like, gosh darn it, I should have been highlighting and taking notes because there's so many great business lessons in here. And sure enough, I finished the book and at the very end, it's like, I'm gonna give you a recap of all the business lessons. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, that was a great, I can't believe, I can't remember the name of, I can see it in front of me. I can see it, but I can't read the words. But uh, yeah, that, that um, I really like learning about other people's lives. That's why I like your, your podcast, because I love the check-in, because we get to learn about um, other people. So I love yeah, that. I awesome. just did a quick Google. So it, it's, it's Robert Iger, the ride of a lifetime. That was yes, right. yeah. yes, yes. I'm Thank gonna, you. I'm, that's going to be the next one I read, I think. And I'm, I'm traveling like a bunch now too. So I'm going to have, hopefully I'll have the time um, mm. to do it. Um, yeah. So I mean, so I want to ask you, you one more. Go ahead. I was going to say, I want to ask you a question. So what do you yeah. do on the plane? Are you a reader, a sleeper, a worker? You watch a movie? What do you <laughs> yeah. do? I spoke about with this with Vanessa. I'm 100% a sleeper. Like I'm asleep <laughs> before right. before the plane takes off. And I always That's have these right. grand plans of, oh, I have these articles to write. I have a bunch of, you know, I have this spreadsheet to fill out and I'm going to all like, I push it off. Like I'll do it on the plane. And then the second I get in the plane, I'm asleep. And then I'm waking That's up. That's right. I forgot yeah. you guys talked about yeah. that. You're both sleepers. I can't sleep even in a lay flat. I can't That's, sleep. Yeah. Oh my, I could sleep. I remember my sister and I were flying to Ireland for a wedding and it was a late flight and we had, we were on Aer Lingus and we got the budget, whatever the budget seat was. So it was like, you're setting up straight and I was asleep and she was, I remember her being so upset at me because she, she was awake the whole time and like there was yeah. bad turbulence and stuff, but I was like, oh, what do you want me to do? You know? Yeah. yeah. What about you? What do you do on the plane? Um, I work and then I watch movies. Okay. Um, but I definitely don't talk to people, which is crazy. I think it's because I talk all the time and I just, <laughs> I put those headphones in immediately. Yeah. If I know somebody, I'll talk to them, but um, I'll never forget Robbie from Nexion and I were flying back from uh, Mexico together and we just happened to be sitting next to each other. He's like, don't take offense. I'm like, dude, headphones are going in. I don't want to talk to you either. I was like, I've been yeah. talking to you all week, <laughs> but you know, it's yeah. 
I remember I flew to spring, I flew to Vegas for spring break one time when I was my, my last year of college and I was flying back and I had to work the next morning and I got put next to an elderly couple on the plane and I was just too, I remember being too nice and not being like, Hey guys, I need to catch some hours of sleep. I'm going to, yeah. I have to work tomorrow. And I was up all night talking to these two people and I, and I feel like I need to be a little, sometimes I need to be a little bit more forthcoming yeah. or, you know, it seems rude, but uh -huh. I feel looking back, that was one of the mistakes I made if you, after what you mentioned. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just depends if I'm coming back from Vegas, I'm probably still have cocktails in me. So I'm yeah. probably yapping up a storm with somebody. <laughs> and you're headed to Vegas for uh for virtuoso travel week. Is that right? Uh, for signature. Yep. Sign for signature. Oh, signature. oh sorry. Yeah. Signature. Yeah, yeah. We're part of signature. I'm excited for that. And travel agent form. We're doing cruise these 360 soon. Yeah, I mean, lots of good stuff. We're yeah. excited. Yeah. So I, I, I wanna, I wanna uh, wrap up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned you, you, you had, you mentioned retiring in hospitality. Um, mm -hmm. And is that, is that the plan? Are you? I mean, you seem so, you seem able to. I mean, you have the career to show it, but too, but you've seen able to do other things. But mm -hmm. there's no, there's no other thought in your mind than retiring in hospitality. Yeah, you guys can't get rid of me. I have zero desire to go to a different industry. And um, I'm still young, you know, I'll be 56 in September. So I still have what a good 30 years ahead of me working based on everybody else that I've met. You know, like, nobody retires from this industry. We just we just disappear after a while. So I don't plan on uh, retiring. No, I, I see no reason. It's come full circle. So as long as the industry will have me, I'll be here. I mean, any goals, any big plans for the rest of your 30 years in, in the industry? Anything you, you want to accomplish or anything you want to change or anything you want to be a part of? Um, I really love Asta. So I really want to be a big part of Asta and I am already on this recording. Today is the last day of the uh, Asta election. So I'm hoping I become part of the board. But if not, that's fine too. Asta and really just helping travel partners and advisors understand one another more so that they can help one another. I like bringing fresh ideas. I like yeah. seeking out different things, but I'd really, honestly, my honest answer, Dan, is Pollyanna as this sound is, I really just don't think I'll rest until we never hear that fray, that answer. Travel advisors are still, still exist. Like until there's one on every corner, we have an opportunity until every single human that travels for business or pleasure utilizes a travel organization of some sort to help them curate that right experience, we have an opportunity. So I think that's what it is. So changing that perception, making travel advisors relevant in their own minds so that they can be relevant in their clients' minds and profitable so they can be in business. If we can do that, then, I mean, I just, yeah. It's going to take a few days though to make that happen. It's going to, we got a little ways to go. <laughs> um, you keep mentioning Pollyanna and I, I don't get the reference. I'm, I, oh, can you, yeah. you know what it is. Thank you. It's a, it's a thing that I say to myself because, and it's, um, I want somebody here at TPI, no longer with TPI and really my whole career, my whole life. They're all like, you walk through life with rose colored glasses as if nothing is wrong. You know, somebody said to me, oh, you're just so naive. And I was like, at first I took it personal. And then it was like, you know, here's the thing. If the way I look at life and the way I look at business is naive, Pollyanna, rose colored glasses, and it's gotten me to where I am, then I must be doing something right. But I do recognize that um, a high level of energy and a yeah. constant 
view of positivity can be agitating to others. Mind you, I'm not going to change, um, but I am conscientious of the fact. I mean, I had a, I've had a I've had a tough life, um, but I'm not. And I've shared some of my tough stories on big stages. Uh, People know some of my tough life. I haven't lived a perfect life by any means, but I'm just always aware that there are people out there, everyone's suffering at some point, and I never want to come across as not being sensitive to that. But at the same time, even through this whole crisis, I really never let our advisors off the hook. I told them, you just have to keep going. You have to keep answering the phone. You have to keep making those calls. You have to take care of your clients. Call me and we'll cry together for a second, but then you got to get back on the horse and you got to keep moving forward. So I think that's the reason why I say that because I never want anyone to think that I'm insensitive or out of touch because I'm definitely not. Well, I can honestly say you're truly, a, you've been a joy to talk to today, but I always look forward to speaking with you. And you mentioned Shark Tank and I, it feels like if the travel industry had a version of Shark Tank, you'd have to be on that panel. Yeah, exactly. I'd, yeah. I'd be, uh, I'd be Lori Grenier and Barbara Corcoran put together. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, and Mr. Wonderful too. I love him too. He's great. <laughs> well, again, thank, thank you, you so Dan. much for your time. I know things are incredibly busy nowadays for, for people yeah. in the industry and I really do appreciate your time. And I, I, I feel like I'll, I'll see you at, uh, at cruise 360 later this yep. month, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so great to talk to everybody and congrats on this fantastic podcast. Everyone should go back and listen to all of the episodes. They're thank, so good. Yeah, thank you so much for the plug. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk soon, Jen. Take care, babe. Bye. Bye.